Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your gracious presence that is here in this place. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. The book of Matthew, chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 18. Decided to switch it up a little bit today since our children are in the sanctuary with us. I figured that they may not want to, or they may not fully understand all of the judgment that's going on in Hosea. Amen? So I figured we would, we would lighten it up a little bit today and um, Christmas focus. Amen? So the book of Matthew chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 18. When you got it, say so. And it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they, became, before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to, take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, him and took to him his wife and did not and did not know her till she had brought forth her first son and he called him Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together in worship of your name. And God, we just pray that your presence, that your spirit would be manifested clearly and fully in our hearts, Lord God. As your word is preached, Lord God, as we go over these scriptures and we look at the wonder of this time of year, God, Father, we humble ourselves before you and we ask you that we would not simply be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers. And while many of us may know this story well, Lord God, I pray that it would not lose its wonder in our hearts. God, give us ears to hear what your spirit says to your church. In Jesus' good name, someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so if there is room next to you, scoot over some. Amen? You know what I'm saying? If, there, if, there, if there's some room, so that way we can make sure that we fill in all the seats before they bring out extra seats and clog up the, the rows there to walk. Amen? Glory to God. So this morning, I want to talk about the, the, the title of my message is The Most Important Day of History. The Most Important Day of History. And, there, and, and this is important. I want you to understand that I am not going to say that, um, that the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, or any of those things aren't important. But what I want to point out is this, is no birth, there's no life, no life, there's no death, no death, there's no resurrection, no resurrection, there's no salvation. And so the most important day, if Jesus was not born, then we would have a problem. Hello. Right? If, they, if, we, if we couldn't mark this down, the, the issue that we have is that Jesus didn't have a birth certificate. Amen? 
I'm just saying. He didn't, he didn't, you know, back in those days, they didn't, they didn't do like they do today, which they write down, you know, when the birth date was, what time he was born, how big, and all that stuff. We don't have all of that stuff written down for us, so we don't know. So someone decided a long time ago, and that someone was the Catholic Church. They decided that we were going to celebrate Jesus' birthday on the 25th of December. Hello. Now, common sense would tell us that Jesus was probably not born on the 25th of December. Someone say amen. amen. The reason why I tell you to say amen is because it's important for you not to argue that Jesus was born on the 25th of December. <laughs> because there are many people that think that you should not celebrate Christmas. Hello. I'm just saying, there's a, you, 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 may not, you may not have those discussions, but there are many people that think, oh, you know, you shouldn't celebrate that holiday, and they have all kind of reasons and arguments for it. And I'm not going to get into all of those. And, you know, the point of the matter is that we need to ask this question to ourselves. Is it something that we as Christians should celebrate? I think it's an important question. And you should have some clear convictions on what you do and why you do it, whether you're an adult or you're, or you're a young person. What does Christmas really mean? Amen. That really becomes the big question for us. I preached a while, a, a few years ago, and I talked about this. I said, if Jesus is really the reason for the season, then you should live like it. If, if, if GC, don't, don't be, see, li, 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 listen to what I'm saying. Don't say Jesus is the reason for the season because you got a little, you know, a, a little nacimiento. Hello. Right? <laughs> I have one. I have a small one. We had a big one outside, but I don't know what happened to it. But anyway, the point of the matter is, that doesn't mean Jesus is the reason for my season. Hello. It means I have a decoration that points to Jesus, but that doesn't make him the reason for my season. Now, listen, you should, I mean, I'm, just, I'm not saying that you have to have one of those, you know, nativity scene. That's what it is in English. I'm sorry. I was trying to translate that in my brain. All I could think was nacimiento. But it's a nativity scene. Amen. That, that's what that word meant for those of you that don't understand Spanish. But the point is, I'm not saying you have to have one of those because that doesn't make it you know, the reason for your season. It's a cool thing to have, and that way people can ask you questions about it. People can look at it, and maybe someone will be drawn to the Savior because they saw something that was there and had a conversation with you. But here's the thing. The reason why this is important is because what happens to us is that in our culture, now we're talking about our culture. In our culture, we celebrate something called birthdays. Amen? We celebrate birthdays. We enjoy birthdays and things like that. We celebrate those. And not only do we celebrate birthdays, but in our culture, we also celebrate the birthdays of really important people like, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. Amen? Right? He, was a, he was a civil rights activist. He was somebody who had a dream of real racial equality. And so we have a day. As a matter of fact, we have a parade in his name. Hello. I'm just saying parades all over the place that are in, in, in recognition of what he did. Can I ask you a question? Do you think Jesus did a little bit something a little bit bigger than what Dr. Martin Luther King did? Do you think, do you think Jesus' birthday might be just a little bit more important than Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday? I'm just saying, we don't have the birthday on it. I'm going to tell you, Jesus was probably born in September, but why go against the grain? You want to put up your Christmas tree in September? Hello? I'm just saying, you don't have to do that. You don't, you don't have to do that. But when I say suppose about that time, it's just when you look historically and you look at all of the different things there, it's probably around that time. But the point of the matter is that we have a great opportunity. And for me, when I look at the fact that we celebrate other people's birthdays, I think that we should consider celebrating Jesus' birthday. And so when we look at this, I, I want us to understand what Christmas should really mean for us. And so in general, we celebrate birthdays in what? In honor of people. And we do that because we love them and we care for them. And so what we should do in this time of the year is we should go ahead and consider that. And listen, and here, here's what I want to point out. I want to point something out that is so very important for, you know, for, the, for the legalists like me in the room. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Because there are some of you that are in it that are legalists and you've studied your Bible and you're like, Bishop, the Bible never says to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. You are 100% correct, but can you please find for me the place where it says you should not celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Because as you have one, you got to have the other. And what I'm saying is, is that the Bible is silent on the topic. But what you will notice as we look at all of these scriptures together, they were celebrating the birth of Jesus more than any other birth in the Bible. As a matter of fact, when I was studying, and someone can correct me on this, I found that there's like two mentions of birthdays in the Bible. It was like Pharaoh in the Old Testament and a, and a, and a, and a, and a pagan king in the New Testament as well. And so they don't make a big deal. When you read your Bible, you're not going to find a bunch of big deals about birthday parties. But what you do realize is that at the birth of Jesus, there was a great birthday party that was going on. There was a great proclamation and celebration of that birth of Jesus. And so it's important for us to look at that. And so Christmas is just, I want to say this clearly, Christmas is just another day on the calendar, but we should redeem it as every other day. So here's the thing. We are called to redeem the time as the children of God. In other words, we're supposed to make the most of our days for the glory of Jesus. And here's what happens. During Christmas time right now, you know, there's, there's always going to be a culture war about something. And someone is going to be offended about something. That's just going to happen. But the reality is, in our day, in our time, because of what Christmas has meant traditionally... To Christians throughout history, this is a great opportunity where it is okay for you to begin to express and communicate about Jesus. It is a great opportunity for you to redeem this time and say, you know what, I'm going to look at what Christmas is really about. When I was doing this study here, I understand this, our focus during Christmas should reflect our faith and our devotion to our Savior. Now for me, I want you to know that while I'm a legalist, I am not a very traditional person, okay? And what I mean by that is that I don't have like a whole bunch of Christmas traditions. There's one Christmas tradition that we normally keep every year, and that is a Christmas Eve dinner that we have at my mother-in-law's house, and that's our tradition. But apart from that, I don't have like a whole bunch of different traditions that I do. But when you look at the history of Christmas, there were some traditional things that were done that were symbolic and that were there in order to symbolize certain things. For example, bells were played to ring out the joyous news. So they rang bells during Christmas time, you know, they Christmas carol, and they rang these bells. I saw a choir, it, 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 was, it was one of those bell choirs, and for those of you that were here, you remember um, when Shaggy the Clown came, and he had us all up here with those bells, right? Well, the point is that there are other people that they do choir stuff like that, and they actually go around and they ring these bells. And what is the point? It is to symbolize something about the ringing out of the good news. The next one is the lighting of candles. That's something else that happens. And what is the purpose of lighting candles during Christmas time? See, I don't like candles. But what is the reason for it? It is to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. And what about the stars? See, some people put different stuff on the top of their trees, man. Some people put angels on the top of their tree. Other people put stars. The reason why there's that, that, that um, whatever, that reasoning behind that is because some people believe that that star could have been an angel or whatever the case was, and they think that is cute. But here's the point. The reason why they started putting stars on top of the tree is to remind them of the star of Bethlehem that drew, that, that, that directed the wise men to come to the feet of Jesus with their gifts. And then we come to the place of gift exchange. When we exchange gifts, it's to remind us of the gifts that the Magi gave to Jesus. But above all things, it is to remind us of the greatest gift of all, which was Jesus. See, one of our biggest issues when it comes to gift giving is that we become extravagant with our gift giving and we're not purposeful in our gift giving. 
You see, we make idols out of our gift giving. And, and I know some of the children here, you're not going to like Bishop right now, but here's the point. Okay, I love you, and I, and I don't want you to grow up to be an idolater. In other words, I don't want you to be someone who worships wrong things. I want you to be someone who worships Jesus. I want you to be someone that when they ask you, why is Christmas so special, it's not just because of the gifts I get or the candy I get or because of the thing in my stocking, whatever, but it is because of the birth of Jesus that I'm really celebrating. And parents, if we want our children to really celebrate Christmas in the name of Jesus, then we cannot be idolaters of them we cannot worship them and make them the center of the day we have to make Jesus the center of the day and so if we buy them every single thing that they want what are we worshiping I'm just saying if, if we decide, see, a bunch of years ago, and, and, and you know, and, and this is a struggle because, you know, we love our children. I challenged the church. I was like, look, man, you should get your children some gifts for Christmas. I believe you should do that. But I don't think that you need to be crazy with it. And I, so I've tried to apply that principle and not overwhelm my daughter with all kinds of gifts for Christmas. Because I don't want her to think that Christmas is about her because it's not about her. I cause our family to serve in the Christmas in the City event because I want them to understand what this time of year is really about. See, here's my question for us when we think about gift giving. When I am giving gifts, am I thinking about how I'm impacting someone's life with the gospel, or am I just thinking about something else? When I'm, when, when, I mean, seriously, I mean, your kids will be super disappointed if you have taught them to be idolaters because they don't have a Christmas tree full of presents under it. Can I tell you something? For two years in a row, we didn't even put up a Christmas tree. Hello. I know I'm a heathen. Y'all are like, Bishop. No, because I don't worship a Christmas tree. I, I, I'm a straight up. I, I don't even like putting up decorations, glory to God. I'm just telling you the truth. Like, I saw this, these signs that popped up this year that said we put, I, maybe I just noticed them this year, that we put up Christmas lights. I was like, glory to God. I will call them quick, boy. If I, but but I, I don't put them up. But the point of the matter is, if my wife was really pushing me on the issue, I'd be like, babe, I got a solution. Hallelujah. Right? But here's the thing. The point of the matter is that we need to think about those things. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to use Christmas as an acronym. Amen? And we're going to look at Christmas. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. One of the things that I forgot to tell you is that last week was the last time that Connect will meet for the rest of the year. And so um, you won't be getting together. But this is a good topic of discussion, I think, especially for the parents. You can write some of these notes down. Listen, I'm, I'm going to give you scriptures for all of these points. But what I want you to know is that this isn't like written out in the Bible Christmas, okay? Hello? What I'm saying is I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just using each of these letters to symbolize something. Hopefully it helps you. Hopefully it, you know, it helps your children to really understand what Christmas is about. So the first C that we have, or the C that we have, you can guess what this one is for. Say Christ. Christ. The first one, it is about Jesus. It is not about anyone else. It is about Jesus. And we can be a blessing to others and we can encourage others and we can do many things. But Christmas must be, if it is really about Jesus, it must really be about Jesus. Look at the book of Luke and we're going to turn to a lot of scriptures here. The book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. The book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. This is the angels that are speaking here to the shepherds in the field. It says, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy to, to, to all people. Verse 10 here, with, will be to all people. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
So the proclamation was about what? It's about Jesus. So the first thing Christmas is about, it's about Christ. It is about him. It is about glorifying him. How do we make this happen in our homes? Well, one of the ways that we make this happen in our homes is we do devotionals with our children. Some of the things that people do is during this Advent season, during this time when they're celebrating the coming and the life of Jesus, what they do is they actually sit down and, and in their devotionals that they have with their children, they are continually pointing out different things that have to do with this season to make it about Jesus for their children. This is so very important for us as, as, as the people of God. One of the things that I love to do is on Christmas morning, see, when I was a kid on Christmas morning, we were heathens, hello, meaning that it was all about the presence. It was not about Jesus. We, you know, I, I, don't even, I don't know. So when I was younger, we probably went to church, but I, but I don't even recall those days, but I remember that we used to jump up out of the bed, and we used to run to the Christmas tree. One of the things that I, I, I tell you that I love about my daughter is my daughter doesn't even wake up early, hello. I'm like, praise the Lord. And it's not because we like trained her like that. My daughter doesn't like to get up early. She doesn't have to. She's like, the gifts ain't going anywhere. Hello. But here's the thing. Before we do anything, before we open up any gifts, one of the things that we do is we read the story over and we are reminded of what this, what, what this time of year is about and what these gifts really symbolize. And so this is a way that you continue to remind your children and remind yourself of what it's about. I think that it's important. Hear what I'm going to say. It's not important just to remind your children. It is important to remind yourself. It is important that you don't get caught up in all of the other propaganda that goes around for Christmas, but that you really are reminded of what the season is supposed to be about for you. So it's about Jesus. The H in here, say hope. The C is Christ. The H is hope. Hope of the world. What we see throughout the life of Jesus is we see miracles that are taking place. If you look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, look at what it says there. I love this. It says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And so what do we see here? When we look at the birth of Jesus, first of all, we see a woman who has never been together with a man who is going to have a baby. Impossible. That's a miracle that takes place. When you look at from that place, you look at Joseph. You saw that we read in the book of, jo in the book of Matthew. Joseph was like, you know what? That ain't my baby, so you know she's going to have to go somewhere and find her baby daddy. But I ain't going to do her like that. I'm not going to put her on blast. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm just bringing it to what we understand. But that's what Joseph was saying. He's like, that ain't my baby. We was engaged, but something happened. Hello. And so he's a just man. He's like, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just put her off to the side. I'm going to walk away from this thing, and I'm going to just leave it like that. But, but here's what happens. God reveals unto Joseph through an angel who comes to him and says, hey, he says that to him. He said, I'm your baby's daddy. That's what God is saying. He's saying, I'm, I'm the baby daddy. Just, just take, take the mother, and we're going to be out. That is so crazy. But listen, that is exactly what God is saying here. He's communicating to Joseph. So again, the first miracle is the birth. The second miracle is the marriage. Hello. Right? The third miracle that we see is that God is directing their steps because, you know, Herod was going to kill everyone. And so God leads them to Egypt. And that way they're not going to be killed in this slaughter that takes place. And then we see the miraculous provision that takes place because God brings these wise men to him. And these wise men give him these gifts. And what do we think that this gold and mirror and incense, and, 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 and incense were for? Those were things that they were going to be able to provide during their time that they weren't working. So we see miraculous miraculous provision that's taking place. And then we see in all of this God's miraculous ability to preserve the life of his son. 
So when we look at this, what we should see is we should see hope that no matter what we are facing in our life, when we look at the birth of Jesus, we see that there is hope in our God. That should encourage someone. We should show and, and, and let our kids know that there's hope. And we should be a people who are demonstrating hope. And I encourage you to read through Matthew chapter 1 and, and, and 2 and also, you know, the book of Luke as well. And, and chapters two, 2 as well. So you can look at this birth and what happened here. The R, say rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Savior. Look at Luke 1, 28. It says, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And look at verse 46. Go down to verse 46 to verse 47. And this is Mary singing after she comes into the presence of, of, of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth encouraged her. And then Mary sings this song. And she said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And so we see that there is rejoicing that takes place. Rejoicing in who? Rejoicing in the Savior. Look at chapter 2, verse 13 through 20. These are the angels here. And it says, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into, Beth and into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising. In other words, rejoicing, for, for, rejoicing in God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And so the first thing is Jesus, it's all about Christ. The second thing, that there is hope for, the, for our world and there is hope for our situations in our lives. The third thing is that there should be rejoicing in our Savior. If there's something that we should do during this time of the year is that we should rejoice in our Savior, rejoice in all of his provision. I think it's an awesome thing that God actually allowed us, you know, the, the church of old, the, the Catholic church, to decide this date and this time for us because it actually brings us to the end of our year. And rather than us thinking about all the things that we didn't get throughout the year that we want to put on our Christmas list, hello. We should look at all the things we've gotten throughout the year. We should look at all the things God has done throughout the year. We should see all the prayers that he said yes to, all the prayers he said no to, all the prayers he said be still to. We should see all of those things, and we should rejoice greatly in our Savior and thank him. And you may find that when you come to that place and to that point, you might be like, man, I don't need anything for Christmas. I know I got like three amens because the rest of y'all are like, no, nah, I need some more stuff. Listen. You may come to that point where you're like, man, I don't need anything because God has blessed me sufficiently. He has done so much throughout the year. God is not waiting for one day to bless you. Hello. He's been blessing you all year long and so you can rejoice. As a matter of fact, you may say, you know what? God has been so good to me. I want to bless others. What a concept. I mean, I'm just saying because we think about all the things we can get, but do we really think about what we can give in this season? Because there's people that we should be able to bless and that we should be able to encourage. And there's other people that we just want to say, you know what, I love you. That's it. 
That they, they don't need anything. You just want to say, man, I really love you. I really appreciate you. You know, those are the things that we should be doing. But we should be rejoicing in God our Savior. The eyes say incarnation. What that means is that God became a man, and we called him Emmanuel, which means God, God dwelt among us. So look at Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 35. The incarnation. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 35. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And we read in the book of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 through 23. We read that already and we saw that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so it's about Christ it's about hope for the world. It's about rejoicing. It is about the incarnation. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if you understand how great this was, but when you read the book of Philippians chapter 2, and we shared on this a few weeks ago when I was dealing with the topic of humility, but what we understood is that God decided that he was going to divest himself, and he was going to come down here to this earth, and he was going to put on the, 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 the flesh and blood that we have to be able to relate with us. He was taking off of himself his glory for a moment, and saying, you know what, I'm coming down to this earth and I'm going to become equal with them. I'm going to be tempted like they are. I'm going to experience hunger like they do. I'm going to experience sorrow like they do. I'm going to hurt like they do. I'm going to rejoice like they do. I'm going to experience life like they do. And I'm going to be found without sin. And then they are going to put me on the cross. And then I'm going to die in their place. I'm going to rise up from the grave and I'm going to offer them new life and hope that is in me. Because what? Because because I want them to have hope. I want them to have life. I want them to have eternal salvation in me. That is what the incarnation means. That God showed us that man cannot become God, which is what Buddhists believe and what all of these other people believe in this enlightenment, that I become more like him. No, no, no. You and I got to rest in the fact that God had to become like us so that way we could become like Jesus. You don't, you, don't, you don't advance in the stages and the steps of enlightenment. The incarnation had to happen. He had to come and die in our place. So we have the incarnation of when God becomes a man. And for what purpose? Jesus came for one purpose, and that was to fulfill the will of the Father, which was to die in our place. The S, say star. There's a star of Bethlehem. The Bethlehem that led the wise men to the Savior. Look at Matthew. We'll go back to Matthew chapter 2. Book of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2. And it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So these are guys, these guys were not Christians, hello. These guys were not Jewish, they, they, were, they, were, they were not necessarily believers. 
There's a really good movie called The Star of Bethlehem. You should look it up online. You can actually watch it right on the internet. It's about an hour and some change long. And this guy did an amazing study on what really happened on that night. They, I mean, the, the technology today is amazing. And if you put dates in there, they'll show you exactly what the sky looked like. And when they began to deal with this star, the way that this star was just circling, they called it the King Star. And it's amazing what God did in order to get the attention of these wise men and what, this, what, what the actual person who was doing this, this study he actually believes, and I think that this could be possible, that these were wise men from the east. And so his thought is that these were people that probably studied with Daniel. And so they knew of this king that was coming through the prophecies of scripture. And so they were looking for this, and they saw the sign in heaven. And what God does is God decides to show this star to them and leads them right to where Jesus is. Now now look uh, at Matthew chapter um, 9, I mean chapter 2 and verse 9, and we'll continue on to see how the star led them. And it says, when they, heard the, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with the Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we see the star of Bethlehem. So we have Christ, we have hope, we have rejoicing, we have the incarnation, we have the star, and then the T stands for the tree. Now I put this one in here because this was a little bit different. You're not going to find this in the gospel. But if you look with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3, you're going to see something here. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. You got to say amen. It says Christ was Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so when we look at the T here, don't think about your Christmas tree. Think about the tree that Jesus decorated with his body and his blood. Because that's the tree that really matters. The Christmas tree that we decorate and it looks all beautiful, that tree has no significance when it, when it is apart from, you know, reminding me of the tree that Jesus hung on. And so we need to see that, that this is what Jesus did for us. He hung on that tree to redeem us from our sins. So we have Christ, we have hope, we have rejoicing, we have incarnation, we have the star, we have the tree and the M. I bet you can guess what this one is for. It is for the manger. Look at Luke 2, verse 7. Luke 2 and verse 7. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And it says this, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And so what a manger was, a manger was a feeding trough. 
That was where they fed the animals and things like that. And so, you know, we see cute ones, you know, depicted and stuff like that. But that's what it was. I mean, he was, he was laying in this feeding trough. And I thought that it was awesome because there's two things that we see here. The first thing is we see the humility of Christ because of where he's laid. He's not laid in, you know, in the hotel. He's not laid in a place where he should have been. He's laid there. But the other thing that I think that is so very important for us is that we see that he was laid in a feeding trough, which reminds us that he is the bread of life. It reminds us that he is the bread of life. He is what sustains us. And so when we look at this time of the year, again, going back to our rejoicing principle, as we look at the rejoicing in him, we see how he has provided for us in all areas. But one thing is for certain that he has provided for us spiritually. That way we can experience the real fulfillment that comes from him. And so this manger means a lot. It means his humility, but it also means that he is our provision. And the A stands for angels. Say angels. And the angels did something in Luke chapter 2. We read this. They announced what? They announced that Jesus was coming. They announced that Jesus was born. But then we noticed something else in Luke chapter 2. We noticed that when they told this to the shepherds, that the shepherds decided that they were going to do what? They were going to go check it out, and then they did what? Then they told other people about everything that they had saw. Why is this important? Because it's not the job of angels to tell people about Jesus. It is our job. It is not someone else's job. It's not your neighbor's job. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's not your job alone to tell people about Jesus. It's my job. Now tell them it's your job too. Now say, it's my job to do my job. And it's your job to do your job. Amen. So start announcing the gospel. All right. Start announcing the gospel. That's what's supposed to happen. We are supposed to be those who hear the good news and that something changes inside of our hearts, that something changes inside of our lives. And this does not matter how old or how young you are. You may be a young person and you think that it's your parents' job or someone else's job to talk about Jesus, but you can talk about Jesus. You can tell people what this season really means to you. And the last one, the S here, the last S is salvation. Say salvation. Salvation. The purpose of the birth of Jesus was to grant salvation to all who would believe on him. The purpose of his birth was salvation, y'all. And so we have this amazing message to share with this world. And what a better time right now during this season for us to be able to share that. For us to be able to rejoice, for us to be able to take the opportunity to share this message of salvation with those who, you know what, people are depressed. And let me, let, let me put it to you like this. Because people don't know what this time of year should really be about, they're depressed because they don't have gifts to give to their children. Because they don't have Christmas tree to put up. Because they don't have all of these things that the culture has said that is what this time of year is about. But see, us as a church, we can come beside people. We can be a blessing to people. That's the reason why when Pastor Chad gets up here, if he doesn't remind you, I'll remind you now, we're taking up a special offering for a couple of families that we want to bless. And so we want to give an opportunity for you to be part of that. Because what? Not because these families don't know the reason of the season. Not because these families don't understand where their hope is. But because we want to be that blessing into their lives. And so salvation, though, see, this is the thing. We talked about needs-based evangelism. And what happens is when people are hurting, when you can come and you can sit down, I'll just use this as an example. If someone is hungry, right, and you offer them a meal. Now, let let me explain to you how you should do this. Don't just say, let me give you 20 bucks and you go eat. 
How about you do this? Can I take you to eat that meal? Why should I take him to eat the meal? I got to go. Listen, put a time out in your life. Take a moment and say, you know what? I'm going to pay for this person's meal. I got a captive audience. Glory to God. Y'all ain't hearing me. I got someone that they ain't going anywhere. Okay, and, and listen, it doesn't mean you got to beat them up with the gospel. Listen, let them eat before you share the gospel. Amen? Get to know them. Talk about their past. Wait until they're nice and full. Hopefully they don't pass out on you. But here's the thing. Don't, you know, don't, don't, I'm, I'm not telling you to, you know, oh, well, Bishop, can I just do something good? Yes, you can do something good. And maybe you don't have the time and you have to just bless somebody that way. But what we should always do is we should never leave our good works without a clear pointing to Jesus. We should never do that. If it is within our power, if it is within our ability, especially, I was, I was, I was going back and forth with this guy, Helen Strack. She posted something on Facebook, and I felt like I wanted to be her defender because this guy was jamming her up. And I was like, bro, I'm like, I don't even understand this. Is he saying that we should just be quiet as Christians and all of this kind of stuff? And so the point is that as he is, as, as he is saying this, and it's funny because my wife, my wife is, is a funny woman of God. I love her very dearly. Um, as I'm sitting there on my iPad and I'm getting ready to respond to him because I responded one way because I wanted to hear what he had to say clearly because I didn't want to come at him. And so I'm like, so, so you think that Christians should just be silent when they're in a situation where people are talking about stuff that is against the Bible and against Jesus and we should just shut up and not say anything. And he was like, absolutely, he said, because that's rude and this and that. And I was like, listen, man, I said, I, I don't mean to be rude. I, I, said, I said, I mean no disrespect. I said, but your opinion has no biblical weight. I said, the Bible tells us clearly in the book of 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2, somewhere around there, like verse 15 to 17, it talks about Christ spreading his gospel through us. And it says that we are the fragrance of Christ. And he said, but some people, and I'm paraphrasing, but you'll read it and you'll see exactly what it's saying. But to some people, that fragrance is death, while to other people, that fragrance is a good smell. And so what that, what that scripture is saying is that to some people, my message stinks. To some people, my standards stink, and they don't want to hear it. What does that mean? Do I cut off the smell? No. I continue to be the aroma of Christ within the earth because then to the other people who are being saved, guess what? It's fragrant. It draws them. To some people, they're repulsed. And so the point of the matter is, is that we should be sharers of the gospel. And as I was typing back to him, I said, you know what the problem is with Christians? And the problem is that people think that Christians are just trying to gain more more converts to their church. They're trying to get more people into their buildings. But people need to understand that the gospel is about life and death. And the reason I preach is not because I want you to come to my church. It's not because I want you to be my friend. It is because without Jesus, you are on your way to hell. And I don't care whether you like it or not, but I know this, that if I was on my way off a cliff and didn't know it because I was having a good time and I was giggling and you grabbed me and yoked me by my neck and said, boy, you're about to die. I would thank you greatly. And so, church, my encouragement to you is to do your best to get those branches out of the fiery pits of hell, to do your best to preach the gospel, no matter who likes it, no matter who wants to hear it. And if they're talking about Jesus in the wrong way, be bold, be courageous, and be sure and talk about your Savior. Talk about your God because this is life or death. The Bible promises no one tomorrow. No one is promised tomorrow. And we're over here playing patty cake and all of this kind of craziness. Listen, we need to be serious about this message that we have been entrusted with. 
And in this season that we talk about Jesus is the reason, my question for everyone in this room, is Jesus really the reason for this season for you? And if you say yes to that, you know I always ask you a follow-up question. Well, do your actions and do your traditions all point to those convictions? Stand to your feet and bow your heads, please.